Phoenix Suns faced the NBA's best duo on Wednesday night and got blown out at home. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll talk about whether this Suns roster has a true number two, and if not, what that means for the rest of the season. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons and a writer at suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you all for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Friday, closing out the week with a new show. If you're finding us for the first time, go ahead and hit follow, subscribe, make sure this show is in your feed every Monday through Friday. We are everywhere for you, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, The best way to keep the show coming is just to go ahead and listen to it. If you're on YouTube, hit the bell down below to get a notification when a new show goes up and drop a comment down below with your answer to this fundamental question. Is there a number two on this Suns roster? And if not, how do they get one? That's the name of today's game on Locked on Suns. Today's show, guys, is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered all year long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. The Phoenix Suns uh, had a rough week. Is that fair to say? Uh, they had probably their two worst losses of the season back-to-back in terms of the caliber of the opponent. You combine the, the playoff history of Phoenix and Dallas. You combine that with Wednesday's game being the battle of the two number one seeds. And, and when you add all of that up, it was probably their worst week of the season. But even more than that, Wednesday, the game against the Celtics, it highlighted something different. The, the Celtics have the best one-two punch in the NBA this season. Maybe you feel like other guys are better, but this year so far, a quarter of the way plus through, it doesn't get much better than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Tatum is probably the MVP through 25 games, and and Brown might be an all-NBA player in and of himself. The Suns don't have that, all right? And it was a reminder of that, to lose that game. Now, before we get too far into this, I want to reiterate a couple things that I've said in the past because I think they're still true. One, the Suns' title window will be open as long as they can surround Devin Booker with talent. I still think that's true. And as a result of that, I still think the Suns are a championship contender this season. All right, I think you can think both things at once. I think the difference is where where the conversation really picks up is, is it enough? Is it good enough? It, it, are you willing to to risk entering the playoffs on the fringes of championship contention, or do you want to seize hold of another we- year where that window is open? And so, them being championship contenders, their title window still being open, that's all still true. But a few other things are also true when it comes to identifying the number two, the guy who, behind Devin Booker, is going to step up who's going to be reliable to step up on a night-to-night basis offensively and help the 
help this team, help this Suns team keep pace with the Bostons of the league, the Milwaukee's, the Dallas's, the teams that have knocked the Suns out, or in this case, the Celtics, who are going to be, you know, most likely in the Eastern Conference Finals and somebody the Suns could face if they made it back to the Finals. This week has to be a wake-up call that Mikhail and Ayton aren't consistently good enough offensively to take the reins as things currently stand. It has to be. Because the Suns lost last night by 27, as I'm recording this. Booker, or I'm sorry, Bridges and Ayton had 12 points combined on 6 of 18 shooting from the field. They had 10 total rebounds, 2 total assists against Boston. It wasn't much prettier against Dallas. Against the, against the Mavericks, they combined for 33 points, which is obviously quite a few more, on 13 of 24 shooting, only 10 rebounds, only 3 assists. Aiton was solid against the Mavs, but not excellent, um, at least being a creator. He only took 11 shots. He he wasn't at his absolute peak, and that might be a high bar to set, but when we're talking about things through this specific lens, fast forward to the playoffs, the Suns need a second player, at least a second player, but we'll, we're just focusing on a second player for now, to step up and handle a big bulk of the offense, go toe-to-toe with the other best teams in the NBA, you have to be at your best. So demanding and expecting and, and analyzing things through the prism of are they at their best, that's where we are now. Maybe they get there by the end of the season, but you can't count on that. Chris Paul is taking a step back. Again, maybe that results in one last vintage postseason because he doesn't have to exert himself so much in the regular season. But I would say you can rely on that even less. So if the Suns don't have a number two consistently, you're back to that original question, right? Is that okay? Are you are you okay with being on the fringes of the title contention, or do you do something about it? But I think within that, you also have to look at the other class of the NBA. The Suns are in a a, a more comfortable position because around the league, there actually aren't a lot of teams built like the Celtics in terms of having that proven number two. And a lot of it is because things are in flux. And so it, it becomes a time crunch a little bit. And, and here's what I mean. Brandon Ingram has been in and out of the lineup. It's not so much that I think he'll be injured all season. It's more that I think he and Zion need to be firing on all cylinders together sooner rather than later because they've basically never played at the top of their games together. Desmond Bain is the number two in Memphis. Maybe you say Jaron Jackson Jr. He's still injury prone, foul prone, etc. Not uh, an offensive threat in the way of creating offense. So I still put it at Desmond Bain. That's not, that's not a proven commodity. You know, you have a recovering Jamal Murray, who if he can get back to what he was is excellent, but we don't know that yet. Andrew Wiggins, Hit or miss, not a title number two that you would typically think of. Domantas Sabonis, I'm not saying the Kings are title contenders, but they're the sixth best team in the West right now, and Sabonis has his own limitations, mostly on the other side of the floor, if we're being honest, but he's not a bona fide superstar number two either. And then you have question marks that could go either way. Could be very, very great, could be 
not even in the playoffs, could be inconsistent or injured. LeBron and Anthony Davis, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. If those four players are all at their peaks, they vault to the top of the league in terms of the, the duos. But those guys aren't proven right now. This is not a league. This is not a season where there's a Steph and KD or there's a bubble Lakers with Davis and LeBron at the peak of their powers or even KD and Harden in Brooklyn together. But that all said, the Suns are still probably worse than most of those teams right now. The hope would have been, I think if you were the Suns, this is this conversation, this, this topic is not necessarily new. I think you would have gone into it. You would have known, hey, we don't, we don't need to go through a super team, right? We, we know our strengths as a team. It's not having two guys at the level of LeBron and Anthony Davis or Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, right? You would have hoped that it would have been someone of Mikhail, Ayton, Chris, and I would even throw Cam Johnson in there, are able to step up and be that number two each night. On any given night, it might be any of them. But the reality is there's been too many games already this season where it was none of them. And so I think if you're James Jones, I think if you're Monty Williams, you have to be honest with yourself at this point in the season, 25, 30 games in, you have to be able to be realistic with yourself and say, we don't have a number two that we can rely on. We just, we can't say that about this Suns roster right now. And so if that's true, the other thing I've said all season is that I believe the Suns would get an impact piece in a Jay Crowder trade. I still believe that. But at this inflection point, after these losses, being realistic about this supporting cast, I think you have to start to wonder whether the Suns need even more than a good Jay Crowder trade. We'll talk about that next. First today's show, guys, brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to be funny from Steve Martin, how to tell jokes, how to write jokes, how to be funny. You can learn how to make movies from Martin Scorsese. We had one trial run uh, for the group, and we've, we've had some group sessions, but mostly it's been our man John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. He has reported back with tons of fun little nuggets and things. The amount of instructors that they've gotten, over 180 classes now, just blows me away. Obviously, we've all seen Masterclass build up. Maybe you felt like in the past it wasn't exactly what you thought you could learn, but at this point, there is absolutely, without a doubt, something that is for everybody. That thing you've always wanted to do is now closer than you think. We love Masterclass here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we highly recommend that you check it out for yourself. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Maybe you actually are the one who wants to just buy it for yourself and you get a, an easy gift. Or maybe you know somebody who would love this and you take advantage of the free. Either way, buy one, get one. Go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by LinkedIn. We know how important it is to hit the ground running in the new year. You want to close out 2022 on the right foot. You want to start out 2023 ahead of the curve and locked uh, LinkedIn jobs can be just the thing to help you get there. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates to do that. And LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can use simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the right candidates who have the correct skills and experience so you can prioritize them as you begin the interviewing process and as you begin to make your decision on who to hire. 
It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We've known that the Jay Crowder trade was lingering in the background of the season all year. I've maintained, I think, that the Suns are going to be able to get a good player because, one, I think that they're actually reading the, the landscape correctly. I think that they're, that they're surveying the league and they feel like there are a lot of players available in that sweet spot of salaries. They And also, they're willing to give up more. And, and the minute that we heard those initial Pistons and Jazz rumors or Suns and Jazz rumors that eventually resulted in Bogdanovich going to the Pistons, I think I became very confident because we saw what James Jones was doing. He's targeting not only uh, veteran difference makers who can get into this rotation and help in the playoffs, but he's also targeting some younger guys. Now, maybe that results in a one-player trade. Maybe that results in a two-player trade. We don't know where this is fully headed, but I still believe they will get a good player. I think the question becomes... Well, how good? All right. The most noise we've heard uh, around any targets or potential acquisitions for the Suns has been around Boyan Bogdanovich, who I just mentioned, Eric Gordon, who we've talked about for multiple seasons, but it seemed like they were about to pull the trigger on that trade the night of the Warriors game a couple weeks ago, and that didn't come together, but still could. And now Kyle Kuzma, who... We're hearing reports from Sham Sharania and others about the Suns' continued interest in Kuzma, as well as a potential three-team deal that would include the Hawks. But all that said, if you look at the win shares of those three players this season, which isn't a perfect metric, but it's, it's easy to compare across players and just look at one thing, all right? So you, you, you look from 0.5 win shares, we're only a third of the way through the season, win shares add up, so... By the end of the year, they're inevitably higher. They literally, you get a certain amount of win shares per game, and then they add up to a whole number. And so we're only a little way in, so 0.5 doesn't sound like a lot, but that's where Gordon is, to 0.9 for Kuzma, to 1.9 for Bogdanovich this season. So if you compare that to the Suns roster, at best, you're talking about guys who would be, even if you got Boyan, who's had a really good season with Detroit. He's basically their number one option while Cade Cunningham is hurt. Even he would be, he would have the, the fourth highest win shares on the Suns roster. So you're looking at maybe the fourth best player on the Suns if you're adding those one of those three guys. Maybe even worse if you think Gordon maybe is, a, is not quite as good as those guys. And then maybe even fifth or lower if you include Chris Paul and you believe he can be a major difference maker by playoff time, which remains to be seen. And so I want to circle back to where my argument has been, where I've been coming from. And I've pushed back on this on Twitter, on this show, numerous times. You've probably heard me say it already. But the refrain that I've come back to time and time again through the first couple months of the season has been that if you think the Suns need a better player than Mikhail or DeAndre Ayton in order to win a title this year, Basically, you don't think the Suns can win a title this year because once the Suns close the door on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, which 
The Nets are quietly fourth in the East right now. They're not an amazing team, but they're finally healthy and they're playing pretty solid, you know, above 500 basketball. Once that ended, I didn't see a pathway to the Suns getting anybody better than those two guys. And so if you, again, think the Suns need a better player than those two to win a title this year, my thought had been, well, you probably don't think the Suns can win a title this year. I think those guys still could be good enough. But I think this week has forced us to reevaluate a little bit. All right. And so you start to think, do the Suns need more than a Crowder trade? Because if Bogdanovich or somebody like that, if Kuzma or someone like that is, is the best you're going to get in a deal like that. And that's not going to break past the quality of players already on the Suns roster. But we agree the Suns need something a little better. I think you start to think bigger. And so maybe that's what a lot of you have been clamoring for all along. I'm not saying I'm fully there, but I want to walk through what that could look like because the Suns quietly have maintained good flexibility all along. It's one of the things that comes with not making moves for a while is you still have the flexibility to finally make that move when you want to. Aiton becomes available on January 15th. Yes, we're going to that point, all right? We're gonna. We're just going to talk about it. I'm not saying him specifically, but he avail- becomes available January 15th. Again, a reminder, he has veto power over any contract, over any trade that could happen because of the contract that he got in the summer. The fact that the Suns matched it, he gets to basically have a no trade clause for the first season of that contract. But we know he explored other opportunities in the past. Maybe that's not a huge impediment. We don't know. Mikhail in my mind, is still basically untouchable, but he's free to be traded at any time. His contract kicked in a long time ago. Because he got the extension and all that, there's no restrictions on it now that he's on that new deal. Cam Johnson, theoretically easier to trade without an extension because the acquiring team gets his restricted free agency rights rather than getting him on the contract that he might have had if he had gotten the extension. He's just making you know, 11th pick overall salary, and he's going to be a restricted free agent. The team that gets him couldn't negotiate with him at that time. Besides Crowder, who we all know about, we have also on this team, Craig, Sharich, and Cameron Payne, all on expiring contracts. Payne is non-guaranteed next year, so he basically could be an expiring contract if the team acquiring him wanted him to be. And then Shamit has just one more guaranteed season after this. Even Chris Paul, only about half guaranteed next season. And the Suns, again, own all their future first and second round picks. They have that flexibility. And so by being quiet the past two offseasons, even if maybe we don't all agree that was the right move, the Suns have flexibility to cash in at the right time. So, if we agree the Suns need to be more confident in what their number two is, and they at least have the optionality of pursuing a bigger trade, you start to think, could that time be coming sooner rather than later? So I want to get into that next. First today's show, guys, brought to you, as I said, by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis all year long. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Whether you're a basketball junkie or you love soccer, esports, football even, they've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, well, you can get those at betonline.net as well. I am looking here to see if Suns Pelicans odds are up. We know Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones are both going to be out 
for the home team in New Orleans. We know that uh, Cameron Johnson is still out for the Suns. Do we have odds? Yes, the Suns are one-point favorites on the road. The uh, the, um, over-under is 227 total points. I would pick the under there. I feel like this is going to be an offensive slugfest if the Suns can keep pace. And the Suns' money line is minus 110. So plenty of fun to be had there. And much more at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Time is becoming a key component as we talk about this Suns roster. I said that a second ago. Talked about January 15th when it comes to Chris Paul, or when it comes to DeAndre Ayton, I'm sorry. But there's some other elements of this. So let's walk through the timeline in the short term. Cam Johnson should be back sometime in late December or early January. Technically, his initial timeline was four to eight weeks. We're already at four weeks. He's doing very, very light shooting on the practice court from what it looks like. But that's even to the point where, uh, like, Jarrett Jack was in a video that was taken, I believe, by Kellen Olsen, where he's rebounding for Cam and not even letting Cam, like, jog over to grab a ball. Like... We are very, very early stages of Cam getting back, but he looks like he's on track late December, early January. By that point, you would assume Chris Paul will have shaken off the rust that we're seeing, maybe be even better than he was pre-injury, or maybe not. We don't know what that will look like. From a schedule standpoint, the Suns' next big homestand of, you know, five-plus games isn't until January 19th. They have one leading up to Christmas in about two weeks, four-game homestand with a nice break in there, but... They're on the road a lot. And between now and that January 19th homestand, the Suns face the Pelicans on the road twice. Both of them this weekend, obviously. The Nuggets on the road twice, one of them being on Christmas. Memphis on the road twice, as well as Cleveland and Golden State on the road. Losing two big games this week changed the calculus for this organization, for this front office heading into this stretch, heading toward December 15th when a portion of this league gets becomes available to be traded, January 15th when even more of the league becomes available, including Aiton, and February 9th, which is the trade deadline. From whenever Cam returns to the floor until January 15th when Aiton and the rest of the NBA become available, that span of time has to be looked at as, as prove-it time. That could be three weeks if Cam returns around Christmas. It could be a few days. It may not overlap at all. From January 15th to the February 9th trade deadline is 25 days. That's just enough time to to talk about trades. We don't see a lot of deals get done before deadline day or, you know, deadline week. Basically, when the calendar flips to February is when stuff starts to happen. So James Jones will want to have a good idea of where his team is at by mid to late January. If the Suns can't get healthy and locked in by then, if they can't win some of those big road games and start to look like the legit contender we know they have the potential to be, James Jones will have to think bigger. He will have to supplant Mikhail, Cam, DA as number twos. Because as much as... I can sit here and tell you that as long as Devin Booker is at his peak and you surround him with talent, the window is open. And I'll repeat that line 
on every show for the rest of his career if I need to. I, I do believe that. There's also a level of responsibility you have when you know that window is open to do something about it. The past two years, as much as we can look in hindsight and be frustrated as people who want the best for this team that things ended badly and in the case of the 2022 playoffs, pretty ugly. The Suns were favorites or in the top tier of favorites to win the championship heading into both of the last two postseasons. You can, you can, you can be disappointed in how it ended. You can want to re rewrite history. That's true. Tip-off of the first round of both of the past two postseasons, they were considered top-tier contenders because they were at the top of the Western Conference, they had home court advantage, and they were top 10 in both offense and defense. Those are the checkboxes you have to have. They have did them both times, all right? In this case, we don't know if that will be true. We don't know. I think right now, James Jones is not panicking as much as Suns fans are. He believes, to a frustrating degree, I would say sometimes, and I can even admit that, even if a lot of you see me as the stick-to-the-plan guy or the overly patient guy or the not-aggressive-enough guy when it comes to thinking about this stuff, I want to remind you I did advocate for trading Kevin Durant, trading for Kevin Durant. But I think James Jones is even more patient than me. He's going to lean in the direction of continuing to develop the current talent, continuing to develop the, the young uh, core until he absolutely has to change his mind. And so that's why this timeline, the next few weeks from when Cam gets back, whenever that is, until the trade deadline, but especially until January 15th when Aiton can be traded, it will decide the Suns' season. It might not decide where they end up in the standings. It might not decide, you know, they're going to play playoff games. They're not going to be out of the playoffs. But it will decide the direction overall of the roster, of the future, everything else. And I do think it's fair to react to this week at that level. I don't think that's an overreaction to say, as... Aaron and I talked about on Tuesday as I've gone back and forth with a lot of you on social media about. This week can be a reminder or a, 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 a punch in the gut to show this organization and its fans what could be coming in the playoffs. And you have to be certain that you have a chance to make a playoff run when the playoffs come. And... This will decide that. The honeymoon phase is over for this season. And knowing the Suns are on the cusp, but without the young guys stepping up yet, I think it showed us if the status quo remains, they don't have quite enough to beat those types of teams. Not the best note to end the week on, but look, that's what happens when the team doesn't play well. So have a great weekend, everybody. I will talk to you all on Monday. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. To close out your week, now go make Locked On Sports Today your second listen to get caught up on everything else going on around the entire sports world. That show available on all podcast platforms, and I will talk to you all next week.